I'm Amelia Edwards, your host for today, and with me is Barnaby King, my, fe- my fellow amateur historian. I mean, well, uh, yeah, amateur very much is the term that describes me. I mean, you're not really amateur, you've got like two degrees in this. Uh, well, they're English degrees though. Yeah, well, okay, one of them has history in the title, mm. and the other one has early modern and something textual, <laughs> cultural... We don't discuss the second degree. It No one knows what it means. No, all I remember from you doing your master's was mostly about a ditch. We don't talk about the ditch. No, we don't talk about the ditch. So, okay, what have you brought this week? Well, this week I was thinking a bit about people maybe feeling a little bit under the weather at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't we won't talk about anything specifically because we don't want to instantly date the podcast. Shh. <laughs> people always feel a bit ill. Yeah, that's that's true. It. Especially yeah. me. Uh, you're usually just tired. True. So, today I'm going to talk about Richard the Lionheart. Have you heard about Richard the Lionheart? How much do you know about him? I mean, we both like The Lion in Winter. That's true. That's a good film. It's a good film. I mean, my, I guess my experience with Richard the Lionheart is mostly through films. There's that time where he's played by Patrick Stewart in Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> um for like 30 seconds and it's really weird i think he appeared in some video game as well but yeah basically nothing Mm. um he tends to get remembered especially in robin hood type films as like the best king Mm. so wise so true so chivalric and we might question that a little bit today as well okay so i want you to cast your mind back Mm -hmm. the year was 1187. I remember it well. The place, Ferrara, Italy. Ferrara? Ferrara. You'd think it'd be Rome, because we're going to talk about a pope, but no, he was in Ferrara. So, Pope Urban III has been spending all his efforts trying to bring about peace between Henry II of England and Philip II of France. And this has not been helped, by the way, by the fact that one of Henry's sons, Richard, has been in Paris for the last four months and has been sharing a bed with, with Philip and conceiving a passionate relationship with him. Okay, uh, is this your wording, or is this wording in some sort of book? Because, I mean, when I think of Richard the Lionheart sharing a bed with Philip II, then you know what I'm going to be thinking. I'm going to be thinking that they is again in it all. Well... This wasn't that peculiar a thing to happen back in medieval times. Um, Lots of people tended to share beds with people of the same gender as them. Um, Possibly because, you know, it was cold and they didn't have central heating yet. So you want to warm yourself against a nice hot man, (laughs) buddy. Yeah, a little bit. And also... um... I know what that's like. (laughs) I mean, we've got loads of examples of this. It was a way of showing your favour to somebody. So mm-hmm. even in um, uh, one of the King Arthur stories, Arthur meets Galahad mm-hmm. and thinks Galahad is the best young knight, so yeah. shares a bed with him. In this case, there might be something to your assertions about Richard and Philip. That he's getting an L one. Possibly. I want you to say it. I'm not going to say it. Come on, say it. He's getting it on. No. (laughs) Fine. Uh, The chronicler Richard of Howden described their love for each other as vehementum. 
which is Latin for passionate. Of course. Meaning... I, I know Latin very well. All right. <laughs> uh, meaning that... Caecilius they... est in horse. I don't care if Caecilius est in horse. We're on this now. That's a joke for, like, three people out there. Let's give it up for the Cambridge Latin course. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, gotta love that Cambridge Latin course. So, um, he basically was saying that this love was unusually passionate. Mm-hmm. So, let's bring ourselves back. Urban III, he's been trying really hard to sort out um, Henry II and Philip II. Mm-hmm. And then to make things worse, a messenger brings Urban III news that a ship with black sails has just docked at the harbour and Joscius, the Archbishop of Tyre, is here to give him some terrible news. Is Joscius a pirate? No, but he's just really dramatic. Oh, I see. It's bad news, so you've got to have your black sails. Right, okay, and he comes in with, like, goth eyeliner on. And Absolutely. And heavy metal boots and... Um, heavy metal boots? What the hell are those? Um, goth boots is... I just didn't want to say goth again. Because I know those are a thing in history. That's true. The gothic <laughs> period existed. I was thinking about the Visigoths. How dare you? <laughs> See, I know a thing. My amateur historian status is well established. Well done. So, Joscius comes in with his eyeliner, with his pale face, probably weeping. I should have said Gothskius. Oh, that would have been good. But the time has passed. Yes, it has. And he tells Urban that Jerusalem, the holy city, which had been, by the way, conquered by the Crusaders about 100 years before, Mm -hmm. so it had been Christian for the last 100 years, ish, Mm -hmm. has now been conquered. Right. And the conqueror is a man named Al-Manik Al-Nasir Salah-Eddin Yusuf. But you might know him a bit better as Saladin. Ah, yes, I do know Saladin. Again, mostly from video games and the occasional film. Absolutely. And Saladin (laughs) is super cool. Mm. Um, But we're not going to talk about him right now, because more importantly, Urban III is so shocked by this news that he dies. Oh, that's quite shocking. Yeah, he he died of grief. <laughs> because because Jerusalem's been conquered. Because Jerusalem's been conquered. Okay, I mean, I guess if you're Pope, that's kind of part of your job description, like... What, dying when Jerusalem well, gets conquered? I mean, I mean, reacting strongly to, you know, <laughs> religious stuff. That's true. If I was Pope, that's how I'd want to... Well, I wouldn't want it to... Mm, I recant my statement. <laughs> okay. So, he's dead. His replacement, Gregory VIII, then quickly proclaims the Third Crusade. Woo. And this also, I think, shows a lot about how medieval Christians view the world. He also told Christians, if they weren't going on crusade, then what they should do is fast completely on Fridays... And abstain from meat on Wednesdays and Saturdays for the next five years. And I think this was an attempt to get on God's good side. You know, you give up something and then God gives you back Jerusalem. Right. That's very specific. Like, so, okay. Fast completely on Fridays. Mm -hmm. No meat on Wednesdays and Saturdays for five years. Yes. And at the end of that, you get Jerusalem. Yes. It's like a game show with some really weird stipulations. Yeah, it's like medieval style dieting. You don't want to go in my body. You want you to want get Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> How 
take inches off those walls of Jerusalem. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, there is a quote from David Boyle who wrote a book called Blondel's Song. Okay. And I'm taking a lot of my information from Blondel's Song for this okay. um, podcast. And I thought that this was too funny not to use here. But the enormous effort either of making the proclamations or of fasting was too much for him. And he died just 57 days oh, later. Oh, for God's sake. I know. We're getting through popes. I know. <laughs> Luckily, the next one, who I think was a Clementine... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... His... Delicious! Mmm, <laughs> that zesty pope. <laughs> I mean, his name was like Clementine Third or something, but don't quote me on the number. So he wasn't round and orange. No. He had a delicious citrus centre. No, he was quite old. Um, but With he, a delicious citrus centre. He lasted at least two more years, so that's okay. Oh, well, there we go. But we have got through two popes, and the crusade hasn't even started yet. <laughs> okay, right, well, I've got a big shipment of popes in, so if you can get through them as quickly as possible, we can uh, offload all these spare popes that I've got. <laughs> now, there's a lot of mad things, and a lot of really awful things, that happened during the Third Crusade. So we're not going to talk about all of it, because there is not enough time. Okay. But today I'm going to focus on Henry's the second son, Richard the Lionheart, Ooh. the one who had the passionate relationship with Philip. Mm -hmm. So, Richard the Lionheart, one of the Middle Ages' major chivalric heroes, and even now we think that he's, you know, incredible and amazing and one of the best kings. I mean, his, his, his name is the Lionheart. I mean... You don't get more chivalric and, like, knightly than that. It is the most badass name the King of England's ever been given, yeah. I reckon. I mean, why, why, we, should, we should do that more nowadays. Queen mm. Elizabeth the Lionheart. Queen Elizabeth the Lionheart. That would be awesome. Why so, aren't we doing <laughs> this? So... Richard is one of the Middle Ages' major chivalric heroes, and he was really into that whole idea of himself as well. He was really into fighting and romance. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he heard about the Third Crusade, he immediately took the cross, without even talking to his father about it. Took the cross. Took the cross. So... Took it where? When we have the Crusades... I feel like you didn't appreciate that joke. I did appreciate it. <laughs> I just didn't have a funny way to respond to it. <laughs> doesn't all have to be funny jokes. Okay. It can be serious. Okay. It can be reacting to my hilarity. Alright, that was hilarious. Thank you. So, to explain to our listeners, though, um, the Crusades are named after the fact that people had a cross. Right. Um, which, you know, obviously represents Jesus. Mm -hmm. And they literally did get given a little cross that they could sew onto their clothes. Right, a little badge. A little badge. Medieval people love their badges. We will talk about this later on in other episodes. Okay. Um, so he literally took a cross straight from the uh, the Bishop of Tours, I think, and put it on. Mm -hmm. Didn't talk to his father about it. Right. Now, he's a full-grown man, you'd think. He can do what he likes. Mm -hmm. He can obviously spend four months sharing a bed with the King of France. Yeah, and do a little bit of light tailoring and go after the Holy Land. Absolutely. But... His dad is the King of England. Mm. And also, you know, Henry II really liked to control his sons a bit, partly because they kept trying to defeat him in battle. Mm -hmm. um, so Henry really sulked about this. Mm. He refused to talk to him. Okay. Um, and then, even worse, 
uh, he was having a meeting with Philip about uh, the lands that they bordered, that bordered on each other. Mm-hmm. And Richard turns up hand in hand with Philip to this meeting. And then... Hey, Dad. <laughs> got something to tell you. I've got a few things to tell you. <laughs> Firstly, you're probably wondering where I've been for four months. With, uh, with the King of France, obviously. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I've been in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. I met this boy there. <laughs> no, no, he's still in Paris. Oh, okay. So this is before. This is before. Okay. I, I must have stopped paying attention. Sorry, I was I was thinking about, like... I was thinking about the crosses. Okay. I don't know why. He's <laughs> <laughs> just so cute. <laughs> okay, and then... Henry II, in a move that seemed to become quite popular at this point, got sick and died. Oh, okay. So now, Richard is the king. Okay. They did not cover this in The Lion in Winter. They did not. That's because The Lion in Winter is entirely about the point before. Right. So Richard was crowned king, and he led the Crusader fleet down to Altrima, which is the name that the Western European Christians had given to the lands that they'd conquered in the first two Crusades. Okay. Um, and he has a lot of mad adventures on the way. Mm-hmm. Like, so many, I can't talk about them on the podcast mm-hmm. because it would last hours. One of these included getting married. Oh, okay. To Philip? Not to Philip. Mm. Um, to... Because they didn't allow <laughs> gay marriage back then. Absolutely. Yeah. That is the reason. Yeah. His elderly mother, Eleanor of Aquitaine, mm-hmm. brings his wife all the way down to Sicily, I think, for him to get married. Okay. Um, and basically did a lot of faffing about all the way across the continent. I mean, it does sound like that. So, so wait, so he's gone from Paris. He's going to Jerusalem. Yes. So he's gone from Paris to Sicily? Yes. I mean, I get, like, it's kind of in the right direction, but, like... Was it was he going by boat? Was he doing a cruise? He was doing a cruise right. around the edges. Um, they kept having to stop off at various points. Mm. Uh, so at one point, he also, I think, conquered Cyprus or took the king of Cyprus prisoner or something like okay, that. Just, well. a, just a little afterthought. Yeah, you know, no biggie. Yeah. Um, and as a result of all this faffing about, he was the last king to arrive at Acre, which is... Uh, now in Jer- now in Israel, mm-hmm. um, on the eighth of June, eleven ninety one, and obviously Philip was there already waiting for him and hadn't started sieging without him. Hmm. I think it's really sweet. Yeah, like, yeah, I wouldn't start my siege without you. No, not at all. But it's at Acre that Philip and Richard's relationship took a bit of a sad turn. Okay, and their passionate love for each other died. Nah, no, love was quarrel. The biggest lover's quarrel. Right. First up, Richard turns up looking absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> okay, how gorgeous? Well, he was wearing what he had worn to his wedding. Oh, okay. Which was golden spurs, a silver scabbard, and a scarlet hat with birds and animals embroidered on it. Sounds gaudy as fuck. Absolutely. <laughs> And he kept upstaging Philip. Mm. So when Philip offered three gold pieces for unaligned soldiers mm-hmm. to fight for France, uh, Richard offered four for them to fight for England. Oh, okay. And when they both came down... That's so petty. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I 
people in history are petty. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. It's like, Richard, you don't need to do this, and none of you have enough money to pay your own armies anyway. <laughs> I'm going to give them four. I'm going to give them four, what, gold, what? Gold pieces. Really? Gold pieces, yeah. Gold pieces, like in a video game. Like in a video game. Then, they both came down with this weird, scurvy-like disease. Hmm. Was it scurvy? I don't know, but it made their hair and fingernails fall out. Okay, gross. Yeah, very gross. Right. And so they need some limes, some oranges, some lemon. Oh my god, they could get Pope Clementine. They could get They just need Clementine. to eat him and they'll be fine. <laughs> not only that, they'll be fine, they'll be holy. Mmm. I'm not sure whether it counts as holy to eat a Pope. Surely the Pope is infused with holiness. Could be. Like a sort of marinade. <laughs> that sounds delicious and also very wrong. <laughs> Okay, so they're not eating the Pope. They're not eating the Pope. What are they going to do? Well, Philip was a hypochondriac. Okay. And he stayed in his tent. Right. But Richard, who got sick all the time, mm. all the time, okay. was kind of used to this. Right. So he had his sick bed carried near the city walls of, of Acre, which they haven't conquered yet. Yeah. Um, and spent his time picking off Saracens off the city walls with a crossbow. <laughs> Just some light afternoon entertainment while Absolutely. we're recovering from illness. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's one. <laughs> I mean, that's quite badass. I think it's like I'm so ill, I've lost my fingernails and hair, but I can still do some fighting. Yeah, I mean that is cool, but I must admit the his sort of like cool knightly demeanor is somewhat diminished by the fact that firstly he's sick all the time apparently yeah and now he's lost his hair and fingernails like it's hardly um oh god uh, what was uh, Heath Ledger in Knight's Tale is it no he's not looking as gorgeous as when he arrived no. for sure yeah so once they'd finally conquered Acre um, Philip demanded half of Cyprus according okay. to an agreement that they'd made previously yeah. and when Richard said no, he became convinced that Richard was trying to kill him. Okay. And he went home to Paris. Right. It's a bit of a leap, I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. um, did, did he have any, like, proof? Or was this just like... You say he was a hypochondriac. Was he paranoid as well? He might have been. I couldn't find anything to suggest why he thought Richard was trying to kill him. But right. he told everyone that he thought Richard was, you know, going to murder him. Right. Um, Lovers' quarrel got that bad. It did. Okay. So Richard's by himself now. Yeah. But Philip wasn't the only man in Richard's side. Oh. Richard was so chivalric and like really bought into this whole chivalric code right. that ten days after he arrived at Acre, mm -hmm. he sent a messenger to ask if he could meet Saladin. Okay. His enemy. Hmm. As you do. And as far as I'm concerned, Saladin was super cool, right. but also quite a reasonable person. Yeah. Um, and he said no. I mean, that makes sense. That's like, War 101 is don't stroll right into the enemy's, like, base. Absolutely. Or... And also, he thought that it would be morally wrong for enemies to meet face-to-face -face before a battle. 
Ah, I see. Because then you get to know them, and you're like, ah, oh, I can't kill you. I know that. I know that you're a really good guy, and yeah. we played that really fun game of pool last night. And ah, oh, I can't kill you. You're my best mate. We had we had lots of beer together. Or well, wait, no, wait. He's Muslim. Coffee. Uh, uh, yeah, coffee. We had that coffee. Doesn't sound as cool. No, um, it doesn't. But yeah, okay. I I get why. Yeah, there are a number of reasons why he might not want to meet his enemy. Yeah. Um. But Richard didn't give up. Uh, he then sent Saladin a letter saying, It is the custom of kings, when they happen to be near one another, to send each other mutual presents and gifts. Okay. Now I have a gift worthy of the Sultan's acceptance, and I ask permission to send it to him. It's my hair. It all fell out. <laughs> Please turn this into a pillow. Oh man, that would be some kind of um, bacterial warfare, wouldn't it? Gem warfare? Well, I don't think you can catch scurvy. True. So, <laughs> I mean, I know they didn't know about like germs and that, but mm. I, I'm pretty sure they, they wouldn't be like, oh yeah, we'll send this hair to Saladin <laughs> so that hopefully he gets sick and his hair falls out. And then maybe he can send his back to us and we can put it in the king's head. Sort of has, have a bit of a hair transplant. Oh wow, on. we'd have mutual wigs. Yeah. Yeah. That's how much they like each other. I'd wear my hair for you. Oh, no, wait, I'd wear your hair for you. That'd be adorable. Oh. Oh. Um, I actually don't know what the present was. Oh, okay. I don't think it was his hair. <laughs> I couldn't find out what it was. Um, my favourite part of this whole thing is the fact that he said, I must ask permission to send him this present, which suggests to me that even mad... Crusader kings who spend their time shooting Muslims off city walls um, still have an idea of consent. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You don't want to send a present just knowing that it's just going to be chucked out. Hmm. I mean, thinking about history and presents, I mean, the first thing I think of is Trojan horse. So, how many soldiers are hiding in that bag of hair? That's true. Oh, they'd be tiny. They, they, they could be tiny, or it could be a lot of hair. We oh, don't know how much hair... Richard the Lion. Maybe it's like that bit in Adventure Time when Finn takes off his hat and his hair goes everywhere. You could hide at least three soldiers in that. Well, I mean, actually, at the time there was a ten- there was a fashion for having long curly hair. There you so go. You're genuinely. hiding soldiers in it. Absolutely. But Saladin actually accepted this present. Okay. And he started to send him some presents in return. And apparently, this got so much that Richard even started to ask for specific presents oh. from Saladin through their letters. Okay. So, he, as I've said before, Richard had a horrible immune system. Mm. Like, absolutely awful. He came down with a malarial fever. Right. Uh, which seems to have plagued him through most of the crusade. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do if you're Richard the Lionheart and you've got malarial fever in the Middle Ages, a time before paracetamol? Well, I was thinking quinine, but yes. Oh yeah, quinine. You can get some um, tonic water. You could, but what he did was he wrote to his favourite enemy, mm-hmm. Saladin, and asked for pears, peaches, and snow. <laughs> and what? Snow? snow? How are they transporting s- Wait, where are they even getting snow from? I assume from mountains, and then like you pack it up so much that it doesn't. Right. Affect it. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. But... Sure, that does make sense. Just <laughs> ask your enemy in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. or this was Acre, was it? Acre. Yeah. Yeah, in Acre, which I'm assuming is nearby. Yeah, it's in Israel now. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, just be like, hey, my dog. Yeah. Can I have some peaches, pears, and snow? I know you're going out to the shops anyway. Yeah. So would you mind picking some up for me? Because I am mad ill. See, I love it because obviously he's following along this whole chivalric code thing, the idea that noblemen should look after each other. But in my head, I've just got this whole whiny image of Richard the Lionheart. Yeah. Where it's sort of like, Saladin, I don't feel well. <laughs> Do I have to go to war today? <laughs> I want peaches. <laughs> um, but, Saladin agreed, mm-hmm. and he sent him his fruit and his snow. Okay. And I've always thought, reading about this, this was just really classy of Saladin. Right. Um, but now I've read a bit from the Muslim chronicler of the time, Baha al-Din, um, who is the reason why we know about this. Right. And he says that Saladin was actually hoping that these frequent messages with Richard would give him some more information. <laughs> <laughs> Please, my general, does does the new letter have any more information? No, he's just whining about malaria. Yeah. He's just ill again. He's got the sniffles. He's just trying to exchange some chess moves with you now. <laughs> what? He's playing chess with him? No, but he did take a chess set with him oh, okay. to um, to the Holy Land. Um, and this that was... would have been amazing. They could have done correspondence chess. They could. It would have been cool. Yeah, it would have been classier than writing and being like, Saladin, (laughs) oh, peaches. I feel too warm. (laughs) Hot Saladin. (laughs) I feel like we've been really mean to Richard the Lionheart here. Oh, he's whiny. He is a bit. (laughs) So, in the end, uh, Richard actually didn't manage to conquer Jerusalem. Oh, well. He never got it back. Yeah, well, malaria will do that to you. Yeah. Um, there was a... At least the Pope gets to live. <laughs> the Pope did live! Yeah. And um, apparently didn't die of sadness that Jerusalem wasn't conquered again, yeah. so that's good. Hmm. Um, basically, there was a whole load of infighting among all these different crusading kings and leaders. Hmm. Um, and also, he quickly ran out of money to pay all his men. Hmm. And also, he was incredibly ill. I know we've talked about it a lot today, but oh my gosh, he was so ill. Apparently, as part of the malarial fever, as well as having lost his hair and his fingernails to the scurvy, he'd also had diarrhoea since the beginning of the crusade. Wow, like, his coolness factor just continues to drop. Yeah. Like, the crossbow thing, that's awesome. That's really badass. And then he just... Fails to follow it up with something epic. He doesn't capture the city. Mm-hmm. He asks for peaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that that's not a... I guess you could ask for peaches in a badass way, but... Writing a letter to your enemy is not... Well, that does sound pretty badass now that I'd say it out loud. Hmm. I'm going to have to consider this. I will go to the badassometer. <laughs> okay. I, will, I, will, I will type in the information and we'll see if Richard the Lionheart is badass. He is not badass. Well, you might change your mind. Um, It's not my mind, it's science. It's the machine. (laughs) The machine might change its mind if it gets to Richard the Lionheart away from the Third Crusade. Okay. But, like, partly because... So, here he is. He's ill, the Crusade's not working, 
And a lot of kings apparently would have carried on at this point and tried to get Jerusalem. But he knew that Jerusalem, if he did conquer it, uh, would immediately fall back into the hands of Saladin. Doesn't like, that make sense? Yeah. Like, Saladin's right next to it. Like, I, I, Rich is coming all the way over from France. Yeah. And, like, has to continually bring people over. Just give it up. <laughs> I mean, it's too far away. It's like that. It's like the um, the thing from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You might think it's a long way down the street to the chemist, but that's just peanuts to space. Like, this is this is going across across a continent. That's true, but uh, there were a lot of Western Christian people who were living in um, Outremer, Azmir at the time, um, and had kept going as Crusader kings. Uh, for the last okay. hundred years, I know <laughs> it's a real thing too. Oh, nice. uh, one of these was his great uncle Raymond of Antioch, who That's was a good name. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Apparently, had an affair with Eleanor of Aquitaine nice. back in the day. Excellent, excellent, good to know. <laughs> um, so there were people who would have been able to at least look after Acre, which he did manage to conquer and keep conquered. Mm, okay, um, but. There was too much infighting, they weren't going to be able to hold Jerusalem. And so Richard turned back without ever seeing Jerusalem. What, he didn't even see it? No, he didn't see it. <laughs> he was too busy getting sick at Acre. No, this is him being cool. Okay, um, right. Because basically he signed a peace treaty with Saladin mm-hmm. and made sure that Acre would be safe. Signed, Richard the Lionheart. Hugs and kisses. Absolutely. And then, um, a lot of the men decided they wanted to go and see Jerusalem because it was part of the Christian pilgrimage and it was one of the main things they'd signed up to do. Okay. And Richard said he wasn't going to go because he wouldn't see Jerusalem if he couldn't conquer Jerusalem. Hmm. I think is quite cool. Okay, yeah. That's, that's, that's a good line. I mean... Yeah. It's a line about your failure, but <laughs> it's still pretty good. That is some facing. I'll feed that into the machine. And we are awaiting results. Okay, let me know. Yeah. So he packs up his wife and his sister and his court. And he in, starts... In a small box. Yeah. <laughs> Come court. But, of course, everything's always an adventure for Richard. Mm-hmm. He can't get home easily. Okay. And this time it's Philip's fault that he was late to get to where he wanted to go. Okay. Because while he'd been busily making friends with Saladin, yeah. uh, Philip, back in Paris, had been ma- spreading this claim that Richard wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Philip even had a large bodyguard around him at all times. Right. And let it be known that he carried a bludgeon with him. Like, like a club. Yeah. Even worse than imagining that Richard's going to kill him. Uh, Philip also claimed that Richard had betrayed Christianity through his correspondence with Saladin. Like, he shouldn't have been sending him all these lovely messages and asking for peaches and making friends with him and his brother and all kinds of stuff. Um, And also that negotiating this peace with Saladin instead of uh, storming on Jerusalem and conquering it Mm -hmm. was, you know, a betrayal of everything that Christians should hold dear. Right. And so... On his way back to England, he was arrested by Leopold V of Austria and held prisoner. Right. 
Philip sounds like a really bitter ex. Absolutely. Um, like, this is... I know... And I should know, I've been a bitter ex. <laughs> I know that we can't necessarily say that there was a romantic relationship between uh, the yeah, two yeah, of yeah, them. Yeah. But I get that, but it's a comedy podcast as well true. as history, so you know what? Got to inject some life into it. So, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Okay, cool. Sorry. I know my place. Fair enough. I'm sorry, I don't have two degrees with history in the title. All right, I was a fool and did psychology, not knowing that we were going to be doing a podcast about history. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but all I was going to say <laughs> yeah. was that I feel like, um, even though we can't necessarily say that there was a romantic relationship between them, Philip definitely has this like massive change of, change of heart over Richard, and then goes about trying to ruin Richard's life mm. in a really big way. Yeah. So that's all I've really got to say about this part of the story. I want to continue um, talking about Richard the Lionheart. At another time and about his imprisonment. Yeah, gonna get all that content. We need to get as much out of Richard the Lionheart as possible. To I'm be honest. sure we can get more out of Richard the Lionheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the good part is that when once he's in Austria, he's no longer sick. Oh, Yay! Nice. So being imprisoned was a good thing. Yes. Do you really want fruit now? I really want some fruit now. I could do with some peaches. Yeah. Pears. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit under the weather. Maybe some snow. Oh, some snow would be good. Like that. Let's go to Jerusalem and get some snow. Absolutely. <laughs> right, well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. That is the end of our episode, so we'll see you again next week. Uh, big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the use of our theme, mm-hmm. Anachronist. And because it's mandatory for all new podcasts, I'm going to ask you to subscribe on whatever service we've put this out on (laughs) rate and review on itunes assuming we're doing that i imagine we are (laughs) um and tune in again next week yeah thank you so much guys